Today, I will attempt to create a chronology of the life and career of Lucius Virginius Rufus from his obscure birth to his extraordinary governorship of Germania Superior. Unlike the careers of the emperors and other well-known Romans like Pliny the Younger and Cicero, we cannot track the year-to-year -year postings of Virginius. I can count the literary references to him of this period on one hand. With educated guesses and precedent guiding the way, we can fill in the gaps and make a full narrative. A full narrative of this manner is important for understanding his character and who he is at the time of Nero's demise, since it'll explain why he is so beloved by his contemporaries and demonstrates crucial Roman qualities. This is the 96 AD Podcast, Episode 17, Lucius Virginius Rufus, Consul. Nothing is known about the direct family of Virginius, aside from the fact that he is from an unknown equestrian family. He was born in the first months of Tiberius' reign, who would reign 23 years, suggesting that Virginius would only enter politics in the reign of Caligula or likely Claudius. What is known about the origins of Virginius is that he was born and grew up in Comum, in northern Italy. This is known and important because Pliny the Younger wrote that they were neighbors. In fact, after the death of Pliny's father, he was put in the care of Virginius. Pliny, like Virginius, was from an unknown equestrian family, and was the first of that family to reach the consulship. Pliny is well known to modern audiences, because a collection of his letters and a speech survive to this day, with his most famous letter being a first-hand account of the eruption of Vesuvius in 79. Given that more is known about his life, it can be used to inform on the possible career path of Virginius because of the similarities of their origin. They were both born in the same place, they were neighbors, and came from similar origins and reached similar heights. Pliny was born in 61 or 62 and traveled at a young age to Rome to practice law. In this, he excelled, and in combination with his connections with the beloved Virginius and the famous Pliny the Elder, he was brought into the Senate far earlier than would be expected. He joined the Senate in his late 20s, when it would be normal at 30, and became consul before his 40th birthday, which would be normal at 42. According to Pliny, Virginius was 82 years old at the time of his death early in 97 CE. This places his birth in early 15 or late 14 CE like I said at the beginning of the reign of Tiberius. Virginius was consul in 63, uh, the second consul ordinarius, and held the position for at least half a year. Virginius was therefore around 48 at the time of his first consulship. The consul ordinarii was a consul elected at the start of the year. It was the most prestigious position, since there theoretically shouldn't have been more than two consuls, so any additional suffect consuls are deemed tacked on and needless. In the Republic, you would only have a suffect consul if a consul died and there was still a good portion of the year remaining. In the Imperial period, the emperors would appoint new suffect consuls toward the end of the year just so we can give people the honor of being consul. So it was far less prestigious because the consul still held authority, it was still the supreme position in the Senate, and so to be awarded the regular consulship was the same as getting the consulship in the Republic, but these additional ones were just gestures from the Emperor and really nothing else. It was still an honor nonetheless to hold the consulship regardless of circumstance, 
and to hold the consulship ordinarius was even more prestigious. Regulus, the other consul listed alongside Virginius for the consul ordinarii of 63, was listed first. So that means that in the Republic, he would have gotten more votes. In the Empire, it just means that he was the first consul chosen by the Emperor. So Virginius held the second most important consulship of the year. The Romans named their years after the consul ordinarii, and the suffolk consuls would barely even be mentioned in inscriptions and by historians. Their impact was simply far lower. In fact, it's unclear who the suffolk consuls even were of 63. With detective work needed to attribute scattered names of suffolk consuls to the years they served, their impact is so low that we barely even know who they are. During the reign of Nero, from 54 to 68 CE, it was typical to have between four and eight consuls each year, with a total of around 70 men named consul during his reign. The appointment of the consuls by the emperor was a way in which the emperor would reward their allies, prominent politicians, or placate enemies. The men named consul by Nero and his administration would therefore represent the most elite and irrelevant men to the emperor throughout the reign. The consulship is not only important for the prestige and for the resumes of the leading Romans that it's awarded to, it granted real authority. The consulship was, like I said, not the same in terms of power as it was in the Republic. In the Empire, their influence was far diminished, but it was still the ultimate position in the Senate. It was still coveted. It was still important. After Augustus created the system of empire by holding all relevant offices, governing all relevant provinces, and leading all relevant armies at once, he and the Senate consolidated it into an official system. Provinces needing major military garrisons were run by the emperor and his appointed governors, while the Senate had full authority to appoint governors to safe interior provinces. These governors would usually be pulled from the list of recent consuls, with consuls usually serving the year after their term in charge of a province. Appointing consuls was therefore kind of like appointing future governors. It was an important distinction and it decided who was going to be the next generation of leaders. The consulship wouldn't be easily passed around by the emperor then, aside from within the imperial family. The majority of magistrates being given the honor would be given it because the emperor wanted to award them a province. Virginius was therefore appointed to the consulship at 48 because that's when the emperor had the confidence in him to do so. It was considerable confidence as well, since even among the 70 most important men named consul by Nero, only 28, two per year, would be granted the esteemed consulship ordinarius. It can be assumed then that Virginius was one of the most influential men in the empire by 63, and was worth the gesture of the consulship. This may plant a glowing perception of Virginius in your mind, one of the 30 or so most important men during the entire 14-year reign of Nero. The problem with this assessment is Virginius's age and origin. Consulships in the Republic were theoretically only allowed to men who reached 42 years of age, which Virginius well surpassed, making his appointment seem far less extraordinary. Although in the Empire there was no restriction on who could be appointed consul by the Emperor, the age at which someone reaches consul was still representative of their ability and how they were perceived by the Emperor and was still a sign of importance to receive it early. A considerable example of such is the future career of Pliny the Younger, as mentioned before, who famously reached his offices early. It can be safely assumed then that Virginius just did not have the same rhetorical ability or connections of Pliny. So yes, Virginius became one of the 30 or so most important men to Nero, but that does not necessarily mean that he was the single most capable man in the empire at the time. He wasn't the 
powerhouse of oratory or military that you would have in Cicero or Caesar, who similarly rise to power with no considerable background themselves. And so this offers me an alternate explanation for his elevation. He had been a considerable cog in the imperial machine for decades, and had served multiple relatively important roles in government, with his appointment as consul being thus a reward for his work and loyalty. This seems as likely an explanation as any. Given that Virginius was relatively lowly in his roots, uh, he would have had to work extra hard to move up in the imperial system, and a considerable resume was needed from him to reach the emperor as candidate for consular dignity. He would not be granted the same types of extraordinary appointments that the friends and family of the emperors would get, being named consul at 14 and stuff like that. He did not have the same fortunate start as Pliny, who had two juggernauts of Roman politics in Virginius and Pliny the Elder by his side, putting his name forward for candidacy. What's particularly striking and different about the career of Pliny is the lack of military experience. Pliny was first and foremost a rhetorician, serving only one military posting as a quaestor on the staff of a legion, likely for less than a year. Pliny made his career through advocacy, being a lawyer, arguing high-profile cases in court starting from the age of 19, choosing specifically controversial and difficult cases and winning. This informs on the postings later in his career, with his governorship being in Bithynia and Pontus, a relatively quiet interior province, with a small military garrison. That's what he was cut out to do. It's clear from his letters to the Emperor Trajan that during his governorship, he needed not concern himself with military matters, but just simple administration. The best example of this is a letter sent to Trajan explaining to him that a new bath needs to be built. That was the biggest thing on Pliny's mind while he was a governor. And so with this, the careers of Pliny and Virginius must necessarily be separate. Virginius was ultimately posted to Germania Superior at the head of three legions. As we will see, this was a province prone to revolt on one of the most turbulent borders of the empire, and the emperors had particular qualities in mind for governors of such regions. Virginius must have had considerable military background and the confidence of the emperor. In his long career before his consulship, he likely spent a lot of time as part of the legions. The career of Virginius could be compared to another local of Comum that's recorded in inscriptions. This man, born in 23 CE, took up three different military postings before 65 CE. We can assume that Virginius must have followed a similar career path picking up multiple different military positions before he became consul. To get a posting in such a difficult border province means that the emperor has considerable faith in you. It makes sense that Nero would have appointed new men, such as Virginius, to such high offices instead of simply relying on the old-school aristocratic senatorial families. Suetonius makes it clear to us that Nero would not re-elect magistrates who held office under his predecessors, Clearly, he was trying to cultivate a group of magistrates loyal to him, not a previous emperor who he likely had a hand in killing. Virginius, a man from humble backgrounds, owed his career to the emperor's generosity, which you could argue successfully kept Virginius on Nero's side longer than most were. He did put down the revolt of Vindex, and maybe that's the result of this generosity of the emperor. The emperor appointed him to the consulship, he appointed him to the governorship in Germania, so certainly Virginius would have felt indebted to the emperor at the time. Certainly he must have liked him to an extent. Nero cast a wide net in finding new allies, and so it was not below him to give honors to equestrians like Virginius. 
as he supposedly even honored one with triumphal decorations. Clearly, Nero thought the highborn Romans below the senatorial class were the most exploitable as powerful supporters, if given the right honors. Suetonius's description of Nero's habits also explained the late nature of the consulship of Virginius. He described how Nero would give out consulships to his lackeys, and those who didn't make the cut would be given coveted military postings so they could bolster their resume. Virginius, until his late 40s, would simply have not been the best man for the consulship, edged out by others, and supplemented with postings from the emperor in the legions. This, in turn, would give him the military experience to be later appointed to a turbulent province like Germania Superior. It's more than likely that in his mid-40s, Virginia served a single posting as perhaps the legate of a legion for a multi-year term reaching some amount of quantifiable success, which led him to his consulship. The year 63 is surprisingly a crucial year to be named consul under Nero. The elections, or more precisely the appointments, would have taken place in 62. 62 represents a turning point for the Neronian administration, as the bulk of Nero's original advisors were removed by this point in his reign. And the young emperor was now acting on his own, more confident in his abilities, with maybe a new team of advisors. Nero's reign started out with major influence from his mother, Agrippina, his tutor, Seneca, and the head of the Praetorian Guard, Burris. All was well with the young emperor, guided by experienced characters in public and private politics. This is the part of Nero's reign that's generally admitted to be pretty good, because he didn't do much. But once he became a bit older, he decided to start reigning on his own. The result? Agrippina was assassinated by him in 59, Burrus died under suspicious circumstances in 62, and Seneca fell out of favor with the emperor as a result, and would end up dying in 65. So, by the end of 62, the entire original cast of Nero's team of advisors were gone. The consuls chosen as the consul ordinarii for 63 would have been among the first chosen by the now fully in control young Nero. These men would therefore have been selected by the emperor personally, not one of his lackeys, with no particular relation to past key members of the administration. It allowed a new people to get into the highest offices, and would allow Nero to be the patron of these now prominent men, owing their careers to him. Which makes sense why Virginius was chosen. He's a peculiar choice to be consul. He had considerable military experience for sure, but he had no great connections within the Senate or the Imperial family, which is why he hadn't reached the consulship yet. Nero was trying to find men who were relatively isolated so they could be loyal to him. Let's now talk about what Virginius did as consul, as described by Tacitus. It was early in the consulship of Virginius that Nero's wife gave birth. In the Senate, including Virginius as consul of course, made vows to Popeia's safety under the direction of the emperor. A temple was built, public thanksgiving celebrated, and games were held. Virginius and the rest of the senate traveled to Antium, just outside of Rome, to honor the new imperial princess, again under the direction of the emperor. She unfortunately did not survive past four months, and Virginius would have then witnessed men voting for her deification in the senate, or perhaps he was a part of the movement himself. It's unclear how far the senate actually went with deification, we know it didn't go all the way through, but we don't know if they went past just shallow promises or not. Any movement, shallow as it was, would it not have been within Virginius's ability to reject, you know, at the risk of enraging the emperor. So he must have either verbally supported it or avoided the issue altogether. Dio writes, inexplicably, that many of the senators who traveled to Antium perished. 
and that Nero decided to hold a festival in response. It's impossible to say what is meant by this fragmentary record, but perhaps a small purge was executed in Antium, which Virginius obviously survived. This part of Dio's histories are an epitome, meaning a collection of references from other writers and fragments found. So we have no context for this claim that several senators perished in Antium. If there was a purge by Nero, a small purge, or some other sinister plan, it's not entirely impossible for Virginius to have been in on the plot, or at least aware of it, given his supreme office. In spring, still within the consulship of Virginius, envoys arrived in Rome from Parthia. As it turns out, the Parthians had just humiliated the Romans occupying Armenia, and have taken it for themselves. Vologeses, the king of kings in Parthia, was asking the Romans to be crowned the king of Armenia, thus peacefully ending the conflicts. Nero then met with the chief men of state, most certainly including Virginius. In matters of foreign affair, it seems, Nero was rather unconfident, and relied on the politicians leading the senate to lead him, among them, of course, Virginius. Virginius and the rest of the leading council had absolutely no reservations about war, as was expected of Romans, and it was arranged for extraordinary powers be given to a general, Corbulo, who was then dispatched to the east to put the Parthians in their place. Virginius, in these few acts that we're aware of that took place in his consulship, is a relatively quiet consul, dedicated to the emperor, exactly what would have been wanted by Nero, who wouldn't want outspoken consuls disagreeing with him. After all, he's given them such an honor. Virginius would have gone along with the emperor's schemes while simply using his authority in the back rooms to achieve his actual political goals, if he had any, that may have disagreed with the young and naive Nero. To approximate the life and career of Virginius up to his postings in Germania Superior takes a lot of guesswork. Aside from brief mentions in a couple literary and archaeological sources, no absolute knowledge is known about Virginius aside from his consulship in 63 and his governorship of Germania Superior. The accounts of other contemporary Romans in the time of Virginius does inform some elements of his life, and we can extrapolate backwards from what he was at the peak of his life to determine what he did to get there. Virginius became a military commander in a crucial province prone to revolt. With this in mind, he must have had considerable military background and the faith of the emperor. From this, I will now relay to you my estimate for the career of Virginius. He grew up in Comum, attending the highest quality nearby school. His family was obscure to us, but equestrian nonetheless, so they would have had the funding to get Virginius the best education possible, and then send him abroad if needed. As we know from the career of Pliny, ambitious men would have had to seek higher education elsewhere, as Pliny had to travel to Rome to learn rhetoric from Quintilian. Likewise, I imagine a teenage Virginius traveling to Rome to learn oratory, he would have then gotten himself attached to a legion in his 20s as a military tribune, while keeping himself busy in Rome by working as an advocate to middling success. At around the age of 30, he would have been elected quaestor and attached to a governor and a legion for a multi-year term. During his 30s, he would be appointed to the Senate by Claudius, while also serving as a tribune of the plebs and eventually a praetor, likely in his late 30s or early 40s, and spent that year working in the courts. He now finds himself, in his mid-40s, being appointed by Nero to one or several different commands as he fails to qualify for the consulship. He's likely attached to a legion, perhaps acting as a legate, serving for several years, returning to Rome after achieving minor victory, ready to continue to the supreme office of the Senate. 
After the death and isolation of Nero's advisors in 62, Nero seeks out new men to create governors loyal to him, and appoints Virginius to the highest position of state. Virginius then served his six months in office with dignity, impressing the emperor and the senate. Virginius is now entering his 50s, with two decades of service in the Roman machine, serving the entire length of Nero's reign. Nero would feel safe with Virginius as an ally, so safe that one of the most dangerous provinces, Germania Superior, is awarded to Virginius. His governorship is extraordinary, likely being for a term of five years, with ample opportunities for military victories. It's not unlikely for him to launch a counter-raid against some aggressive Germanic tribe in that time, win some victory, secure some loot, and gets awarded an ovation in Rome. Maybe a second consulship will come not long after. Greatness awaits Virginius, all he needs to do is not screw up his posting. Thank you.